0: Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. Today, we'll be talking to Andrew Swinand. Andrew started off as an Army officer before moving into advertising in 1994. Since then, he's been involved in incubating 19 companies and founded nine, seven of which have been exited through Abundant Venture Partners, which he founded in 2011. In 2008, Andrew was inducted into the American Advertising Hall of Achievement and called a media maven by Advertising Age. He's been praised as an international innovator. He's currently the CEO of Lear Burnett Group, the oldest and third largest advertising agency in the world. Andrew, welcome to Unlocking Innovation. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you've had a very interesting, you know, if you think about your early career and even before that, you were an Army officer in Germany. Um, talk a little bit about that experience and kind of how you transitioned that into your next career move.
1: Sure. Uh, the, I, the Army was just a great experience for me. I had uh, good grades and no money. And uh, <laughs> Army paid for me 100% to go to school, got to go our uh, an uh, ROTC scholarship, mm. And, uh, you know, be an infantry platoon leader. And it was just an incredible experience because at 20, 21 years old, you're leading 40 people, jumping out of planes and uh, just learning a lot about leadership on the ground. So it was an incredible experience that just facilitated a lot of other things. And, uh, you know, I can say without hesitation, uh, the lessons I learned in the Army are the things I use most often every day. Love that. Interesting. We'll dive into some of those lessons because I think those
0: are important. It sounds like you also had an opportunity to travel and it, I'm, I'm assuming allowed you to have experiences that you wouldn't have had before. Uh, talk about kind of the transition out of the Army into your kind of um, advertising career.
1: What was that path like? Sure. So I had gone to Wharton and studied marketing and economics and uh, while I was in the Army. And it's interesting, uh, You know, as an infantry platoon leader, you're thinking largely non-transferable skills. Right. Uh, But when I got out of the Army, I was not really sure what I wanted to do. And uh, if I pick a thematic, uh, I never really knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, and probably still don't. Right. Um, but my my dad worked in business, and my mom was an artist, so I figured I would do something that was a combination of the two, which led me to advertising. And uh, then I decided to apply alphabetically, uh, and I ended up getting a job at BBDO, okay. my first job. You know, I think most people I know in their career, it's been somewhat lucky accidents in that you mm-hmm. meet people and you have opportunities. Uh, and I had uh, met a friend and mentor named Veda Hill, who was my first boss at BBDO. He was from P&G, mm. uh, introduced me to some folks at P&G, and uh, ended up moving to Cincinnati and uh, got into brand management at Proctor. But it was interesting because in both cases, uh, it was kind of finding opportunities and then taking what was put in front of you. Um, less so than I had a career map and plan that at this point I'm going to work at BBDO or P&G. So. Right. And you mentioned marketing, so you studied marketing in school. That was kind of the focus area. Yeah, I my my degrees in in economics, but with a, a concentration in marketing. So right. And what drew you to marketing?
0: Was there something specific that that made you want to study it?
1: You know, I I love, uh, I've always been passionate about ideas and creativity. And I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've often told people, I think I have the coolest job in the world and that people call me and say, hey, Andrew, I have a problem. Can you help me solve it? And, you know, at Leo Burnett, we have, you know, 2,500 of the smartest people in the world who do nothing but help people solve their hardest business problems by applying creative solutions. So I I, I love the idea of, uh, you know, I love the idea of ideas and I, I love the idea of uh, creativity. And it's, it's just such a fun environment when you're working with and around people who are passionate about thinking, uh, human understanding, and creativity and get to be part of that. So uh, I, I've, I've loved that aspect of my career and uh, keeps you young, keeps you fresh, keeps you sharp. So absolutely.
0: And it's interesting because it, the background with the economic side really triggers a lot of kind of the analytical thinking, I'm sure. But then the marketing side really triggers that creativity. Talk to me a little bit about the role data plays in, in the creative aspect, uh, either in your career history or today at Leo
1: Burnett. I think the future of all marketing actually lies at the intersection of uh, data technology and creativity right now. And the reason I say that is, you know, you look, it's 3.5 billion Google searches every day in the U.S. I want, I need, Where is? people are actually telling us what they want and need through their behavior. The challenge is most people lack the ability or the interest to listen. Uh, if I juxtapose that, when I was working at PNG and in brand management, you'd do a focus group of seven people, and that would basically define your plans for the year. You know, I think we live in an environment now where, you know, the ability to understand and leverage data for human understanding is unprecedented. And, you know, I talked earlier about the idea of creative solutions. Um, creativity is incredibly powerful, but it's got to be applied to the right problems, So for me, I see uh, data and technology as tools to enhance human understanding, to basically help with problem definition. But the unlock, the thing that's going to create transformational growth is creative solutions and creative solutions that actually solve those problems for people in different ways.
0: Fantastic. So it's it's an interesting kind of synergy between those two worlds.
1: Correct. And, and it's you know, one of the things I like to, uh, to say is, uh, you know, a lot of people I think are enamored with data. For me, you know, data is a, a forest full of trees when what you need is a house. Uh, it's, you can't build the house without the wood, but without craftsmen, carpenters and a blueprint, it's worthless. And I think the thing is, is that I see a lot of companies and people become over enamored with data, but you never get to the end result. And for me, I think the power of creativity comes when you actually solve human problems. And again, data and human understanding are critical inputs, but it's not the end game. Interesting. And I've, I've heard the term
0: a lot used that, that
1: most companies are data rich but insight
0: poor. Talk to me. Talk to me a little bit about kind of how how you think about insights and and how you can extract those from just large sets of data.
1: Well, you know, I mean, my goal is to work with our clients. They can be data filthy rich uh, <laughs> and data filthy rich, and that you know, for me, where insights come is is the outliers. Uh, where you see something, and you're like, "Hey, that's weird or interesting." Right. And we did a, 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 some work with Kellogg's recently and uh, on Rice Krispie treats, and uh, you know it was interesting. Just the strategist was looking at search patterns and what correlated with searches for Rice Krispie treats, and one of the top ten things was actually school lunchbox notes. And the thing is, is you would think like these two things are relatively unrelated, but for me, the the this type of interrogation and discovery basically is inspiration for strategy. Now, the, the creative part is the unlock the strategist had of, you know, well, what if uh, Rice Krispie treat isn't a dessert, but it's a way for parent to say I love you to their kids during the day, uh, and the creative solution was actually changing the packaging to a place parents could leave a note for their kids. Um, during the day. So it was a packaging change. Mm. But for me, I think it's a great example in that data basically provides insight into human psychology, human wants, needs, and desires. But again, it's the creative solution, the actual work of an a individual um, to unlock what is the insight, what is the relevance of this to people that creates emotional connection. Um, And again, I don't think you can have one without the other, without the data to inspire the insight. We would have never gotten there. But, you know, uh, if you had just said, hey, school lunchbox notes, it wouldn't have the same power of the idea. Absolutely.
0: And I, interestingly enough, I might be single-handedly responsible for half of the Rice Krispie search results on Google. <laughs> I absolutely, I love sweets. I certainly love Rice Krispies treats. Interesting thing about the packaging, though. So, so walk me through that a little bit. So, the the, the thought process on the solution was an actual package that, like a flip over package, where you can write the note it changed inside. the entire
1: package, so it's basically just a, a white bubble with a permanent marker included. And the idea is parents could write notes to their kids. During- the day on, on the, the Directly on the package. Interesting. And again, as opposed to the ad being, you know, now with more Rice Krispies uh, or crispier, uh, it was basically uh, in and around, you know, the role of the product in terms of just giving your kids a little bit of love, love and encouragement during the day. Um, you know and they had double digit sales increase as a result of the ads so, love that yeah. that 's a great story because it, if you were to talk to an inside
0: marketing team at a traditional company, they would say we 're not going to give up this packaging real estate to promote something or be able to talk about the advantages essentially you took it, you turned it into a blank canvas
1: so parents could write on it well and i think again it's the idea of is is the role of the package to deliver the product or is the role of the product basically say i love you and it's a high order benefit so and again i think the the actual insight was inspired by google searches but google searches wasn't the solution fantastic so can you talk a little bit about the humankind approach and how
0: that guides decision-making within Leo Burnett?
1: Sure. So you know, humankind, uh, I've been at Leo Burnett for about a year and a half, and humankind was always a belief system. And what we've been really focused on within the last year and a half is changing it into an operating system. And the idea with that is how do you create replicable, scalable benefit to our clients? And, and again, I think a belief system basically guides... Uh, beliefs, point of views, and actions, whereas an operating system guides behavior. And what we've done with humankind is really focused on kind of three distinct areas. One is, you know, what are we doing to actually articulate and understand human problems? Um, there's a great quote from Leo Burnett, what helps people helps business. You know, and I'm a core, uh, firm believer that, you know, when we're at our best, when we actually uh, interrogate Data and talk to people to really understand what their problems are. Um, great story along those lines. Uh, I was at Abundant uh, doing venture, and uh, we had a meeting about three, four years ago at Campbell Soup, and uh, just By chance, we had a meeting there, and it was in the Leo Burnett room at Campbell Soup. So Campbell Soup's got a room with Leo Burnett on the Mm. picture on the wall. And uh, just because I thought it was cool, I took a bunch of photos. And one of them, there's a framed picture on the wall of this room written in – of a letter uh, written in 1963 from Leo Burnett, to the CEO of Campbell Soup. And the shorthand of the letter is, uh, you know, at Leo Burnett, we uh, pride ourselves on understanding people better than anyone in the world. Uh, there's this new thing called Cheerios kids seem to love. You know, call us crazy, but we think we could do the same thing with spaghetti. And we call it SpaghettiOs. Do you want to work together? And for me, the thing I love about this is, one, you know, 1963, it's on the wall. But uh, I think the point that Leo Burnett was making, which we still adhere and, and aspire to today, is we pride ourselves in understanding people better than anyone in the world. Right. So, you know, the first thing with humankind is what human problem are we solving? Um, And, again, is the problem people don't have dessert or is the problem how do I basically give my kids love and encouragement throughout the day? But really nailing that insight. You know, the second kind of component of it um, is what's the behavioral platform or idea that's really going to guide the brand behavior? Um, And, again, I think another paradigm shift is, uh, you know, the solution is not necessarily always an ad. So in the case of that Rice Krispie Treats example, the behavioral platform was actually giving parents the ability to send notes to their kids now again, we made an ad about it eventually, but it wasn 't the starting point right you know and the last thing is basically if you think about holistic experience plan, um, you know I know you and your company are kind of ex- experts in user experience i 'm a firm believer in user led design and experience plans right now of you know what is it you want people to do, how do you make it easy for them to do it, and how do you basically give them you know either the rationale the encouragement to make it easy for them to do? Um, and again, I think in the world of advertising, a lot of the focus needs to be what specific experiences do you want consumers to have and what do you want them to do as a result of that experience? And I think you get to better creative solutions by actually planning against the desired end state. So that's humankind. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's so fascinating because
0: it, it just the small – switch in thinking, especially when it comes to focusing on the on the people problem makes a dramatic difference and shift in terms of the, the results.
1: Well I think you can't expect to do the same things and and get different outcomes. You know, and and again I think you know when you're briefing your agency on what do you want people to remember from the ad, what they do is they make an ad that has one memorable thing and it's not necessarily helping anybody. That's right. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier was
0: um, uh, Abundant Venture Partners and specifically um, their role um, in your career recently. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how it shaped you and how you think about innovation um, within Leo
1: Burnett? Sure. So uh, kind of the quick background on Abundant. Uh, I was president of a company called Starcom MediaVest Group, and uh, Starcom was the world's largest media agency. We were doing about $43 billion in media, one of every five ads in the U.S. Um, you know, flip side of that, I was traveling about 500,000 miles a year, 35 countries. Um, so I had left that to start Abundant. Uh, so i had background in in digital and media uh, going in. But kind of the, the simple thought on Abundant was, uh, you know, if or my joke is it was basically money ball of a of, of venture. If we knew three to five people who had a problem and we knew how to solve it, we would start a company. And uh, a lot of them were basically just uh, simple ideas, well-executed. So, you know, within venture, uh, we're actually not a fund. Uh, you know, my business partner, Eric Langshire and I started Abundant. We originally self-funded, and our, our idea, again, was... Um, what are problems we know how to solve? That basically makes things simple and better for people. So you know, if if, if I was going to highlight my learning at Abundant, um, one, uh, it just led me to a much higher bar on talent. Mm-hmm. Um, when you self fund, you know, when you're writing a check out of your bank account for people, um, you know, your hand is on ten fifteen thousand dollars a month. Uh, you're really thinking hard about what did I get for this money. That's right. Uh, And again, having come from a corporate world, it just made my expectations and also just clarity around deliverables uh, much more focused. So, you know, what is it that you do and what is the value you're giving? And if, if you think about you know a relationship or a contract, uh, you know if I'm paying you out of pocket, what are you doing to basically earn that income? Right. Um, you know the second thing I would say for abundant is just in the spirit of do a little and learn a lot. You know we uh, it was interesting. I was uh, I was on the advisory board of one of the largest VCs in Israel for about a decade. You know and I would see basically them spend ten twenty million dollars in starting a company, and oftentimes it would be technology in search of a problem. You know, at Abundant, we uh, you know, we really focused a lot on minimal viable product, yeah. and do a little, learn a lot, and uh, fail fast and pivot. Uh, and kind of the idea behind it was um, start with actual a problem, and then architect a solution versus architect a solution, then hope you find a problem. Right. But I think it's just been really helpful for me, especially as I go back to bigger corporations and that I think often corporations are looking to solve big problems, but therefore they create big networked, integrated solutions that never get off the ground. Uh, So I think bringing that thinking to bear, we've just been able to move a lot faster. Um, And I think the third thing, too, is just a huge emphasis on talent and people. Um you know it it's interesting uh you know starcom when I left was about six thousand people you know, but when you're five people uh, and you, you you hire that fifth person, you just increase your workforce twenty percent um there's a greater intensity and and greater uh impact that individuals have and and again it just um it's not that it's something I was unaware of, but it just uh, radically reinforced the idea of um, transformative talent delivering transformative results. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because some of the points you made I think are so
0: critical, especially for the listeners who are really looking to un- unlocking innovation within their organization. Um, you mentioned the MVP, which I think is so important, that minimum viable product. Um, I know at Ex3 Labs we have an internal saying. We say if a picture's worth a thousand words, a prototype's worth a thousand meetings. We say that quite a bit because a lot of the corporations we deal with on the client side are you know very heavy. You know they'll come to a meeting with. You know eight eight to twelve people in attendance from multiple roles, and i I think that also speaks to some of the things you mentioned about talent about being very hyper focused on what specific skills somebody's bringing to the table. Has that changed the
1: way you think about team structures within Leo Burnett? It has. I mean, we've. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, when I started, we were, you know, I had an office. We were in office-based culture. We've gone completely moved away from offices with all employees. Um, we have. Uh, we moved to completely dynamic, flexible workspaces. Um, basically, sitting uh, in and around what we talk about as creative solutions for client teams. Um, and again, I think the ability to be more flexible and flow to the work, the ability to put work up on walls, the ability for everyone to see the work, respond to the work and input on the work, you know, are all things that we've implemented and I think have had positive impact in terms of our ability to be more agile and move more quickly. But I also think too, you know, we talked earlier about kind of humankind and this idea of behavioral platforms, um, you know, for me again, uh, you know, really clear articulation of what problem you're solving and what behaviors you want to change, I think, is a very different way in than, you know, traditional advertising of what's the key product benefit and how do I dimensionalize it through a demo. Right. Uh, you know, and again, again, I think all of this is consistent with what is what more uh, articulated is design-based thinking, um, you know, and much more of a flexible, agile approach. Fantastic. So obviously
0: you've had exposure to small organizations, mid-sized organizations, very large organizations. Um, what do you think the biggest hurdle is when it comes to driving innovation
1: for large corporations,
0: and how do you suggest overcoming those? I think it's inertia.
1: I mean, in driving change, you're forcing people to say, hey, I'm going to work harder for a period of time to learn something new. And you know, when you look at large organizations, 1,000-plus, you can train people and, you know, show them a different way. But if they and their teams and their clients have been doing the same thing for, in some cases, a decade, uh, it's hard to say, okay, go back and do something different. Right. And, you know, I, I think in all cases the will is there. But I think for a lot of teams, uh, it's, it's much easier just to kind of come back and do what you've always been doing. And I think you know a lot of change management is just really being relentless and repetitive in terms of establishing expectations and and changing the behavior um, you know and I think there's a there's a training component to that, there's an incentive component to that, and there's an accountability component to that. but you know I think all three really need to be in place to really drive change management absolutely. So one of the
0: things that I love about advertising is that it's this really strong creative space and no project looks alike, right? At the same time, some of the challenges with that is the fact that it's you know replicating specific projects. Everything is essentially you're starting from scratch. Every single client scenario, even the same client with multiple projects, you essentially have, have to start over from scratch, essentially. What are your thoughts on how... How can the advertising agency think about, I guess the um, and I'm going to say the productization of that, if, if that's even a, a, a pathway that the advertising agency is going down, but the productized service aspect of advertising and what the effects could potentially
1: be on the future of advertising? So I, 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 we already talked a lot about the idea of the humankind OS or an operating system. For me, I think process that's strategy-free. And again, uh, for me, I think when you teach people how to think uh, and give them tools to inspire their thinking, uh, what it does is it basically opens the mind to focus on unique, different creative outcomes, so for me, a lot of the work and the work I've been doing with my leadership team is how do we put this operating system in place? How do we enable people with tools that basically uh, help them to understand people better? But then that frees the mind to basically come up with creative ideas and solutions. And I would almost think about it you know, in terms of an artist or an architect uh, you need to understand the medium. You need to basically have the paint, the paintbrush, and the canvas. But what you actually choose to put upon it is up to you. You know, and, and I see really my role and leadership's role is is making sure people have the best paint, paintbrushes, and and product to basically inspire, and then the clearest view of what they're seeking to create. And that that process it sounds sounds like it's a, a top down effort that
0: you have at the organization, are you also seeing some, some inputs from kind of the bottoms up in terms of what you see there in the marketplace from customers or clients and or scenarios within the workforce saying, hey, this is probably the direction we need to look at or, or from an innovation standpoint, the kind of groundswell of uh, inputs and ideas? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And again, I think consistency of process and approach allows people to be agile and flow from team to team and work to work but you know we absolutely want people who are are uh, creating innovating and and sharing out those inputs you know we had a you know an individual on our analytics team who just brought forward an AI technology that's analyzing real-time video content uh and looking at drop-off rates and you know it's not something i ever asked for um it was just something he basically uh put together on his own and again i love that
0: Absolutely. you know uh,
1: want people to be basically bringing things and driving innovation yeah fantastic there was an interesting
0: platform i saw it i've been i've worked with it before but it just came back to my attention which is wistia i don't know if you're familiar with this what's the video platform service but they were early on video analytics um before a lot of these other larger platforms were that you can see not only where people are viewing from, but literally where they drop off, where they come back, and there's heat maps associated with the video kind of timeline, which I always thought was a a great thing. Um, On the technology front, you mentioned AI. Are there any other really exciting technologies that you think are either driving consumer behaviors that – You think are going to be game changing over the next
1: three to five years? I think there's so many things. You look at the we have a retail innovation lab uh, we build out in our office, and we're partnering with all these different technology companies just to look at what people are doing. But, you know, the idea of AR and VR, you know, we work with General Motors and you think about virtual reality in terms of how people view uh, or go to the showroom for cars or, you know, AR. And basically you think about, you know, people looking at and trying on clothes or interacting with experiences. All of this is radically changing how people engage. And, you know, similarly, mobile technology uh, you know, we we had a case study we had done with P&G and Pantene where we were just looking at the effects of, of weather on women's hair and basically custom mobile messaging uh, based off of hair triggers. So, I mean, it's the amount that's going on is, is just, in some respects, almost infinite right now. And I think a lot of it is, you know, how do we actually, again, begin with a human problem? Um, I, I think the thing is you know, it should not be technology for technology's sake. Um, and again, for us, uh, we've invested in the Retail Innovation Lab as a way for our, our people to actually see what's current and what's going on and then co-create. You know, the other thing we did, which has had transformational impact, we've actually uh, both invited and have Google, Facebook, and Adobe uh, sitting in our office. So we have employees who come and actually sit with the creative team. You know, Google... YouTube uh, team from Google has been working with our creatives, and they have a thing called the leaderboard. You know, we've actually dominated the leaderboard with twice the video views of any other agency, and I think the reason is because we're co-creating with Google and understand SEO and other inputs. So, you know, I, I'm I'm a huge believer in the ability to harness technology for competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. I think the key is is how do you focus. Uh, So that you're not spending 24-7 meeting with new technology providers, but instead saying, you know, I have this problem I need to solve, what technologies best facilitate, you know, and then how do I pilot my way into creative solutions? Absolutely. So it sounds like part of what drives innovation at
0: Leo Burnett is, is those strong partnerships, and at least in being human thinking first,
1: and then also in fe- figuring out ways to infuse technology as well. Absolutely. And, and again, coming back to my original point, uh, I think that the future is the intersection of technology, data, intelligence, and creativity. And technology and intelligence are tools that basically inspire or help you have better human understanding, but the unlock is the creativity and actually what you do with them that creates the transformational change. Absolutely.
0: Fantastic. So last question, most important question of the day, what's the one app on your
1: phone that you can't live without? I I would have to say Google Maps probably just because I use it so often Sure, uh, going to and from meetings. It's it's funny. Uh, I was a, I was a, went to Pathfinder school in the army and you think about like navigation and maps and you know just in a world today where I can type in whatever I want to find wherever I need to go. It's just pretty fantastic uh, as you're Cruising around, trying to find your an office in Northbrook. Right. Uh, So boring answer, but but true. Yeah. In 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 fact, a lot of the advancements in the features of those map
0: services has gotten a lot better. I I remember a time where it was not as reliable, certainly and. It wasn't as uh, specific to getting into locations and parking lots and things like that. It's much better now. So, Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the show. Um, if, if listeners wanted to follow you and kind of um, keep in contact with you, um, is there a best
1: Twitter handle or LinkedIn profile that they should follow? Sure. My Twitter is at Swinand, S-W-I-N-A-N-D. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Andrew Swinand, S-W-I-N-A-N-D. Fantastic.
0: Thanks again for participating in Unlocking Innovation. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs.